This episode of the only podcast about movies was recorded, well, exactly how we usually record it, but it was recorded before the Oscars. That's right. So if you hear us make any predictions or things we think might happen, which also might be known as predictions, please don't spoil it for the recorded us because at this time, we don't know any better. And with that in mind, enjoy the show. America's best figure skater. I don't want freaking Eskimo pies. My name is Matthew Kroll. And yes, my parents dubbed over my favorite episode of Star Trek with CNN coverage, but I'm keeping it together. My name is Shahir Dowd. And this is the only podcast about movies, specifically the film I, Tanya. A little late, a little late. We're we are late little... to the game. <laughs> I am sorry. The Olympics is going on. Maybe I could say we were waiting for that. Oh, that's a good, because I haven't watched any of the Olympics that's at this point. That's an excuse. Um, but uh, but also, this was your number three film of the I year. I know I and, fucked up the thing. And we no 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 because this we was actually, this was actually my fault because I said we would uh, there were a couple movie reviews that we were gonna do and and we could include them in our list even if yes, we hadn't yes, reviewed yes, them yes. at this point and this was one of them. Yes. Uh, so uh, yeah, I, I uh, I'm so so spoiler for your review. <laughs> it's awful. Don't see. Yeah, you hated this movie. Uh, no, this movie was so good. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm, I'm psyched to finally get a chance to to talk about it because. It it kind of blew me away more than I expected it to, and uh, it 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 tied together a lot of things in cinema that I really do I do enjoy. Like you, you t- just I mean, the, it sounds trivial, but like the nice balance of drama, comedy, and then thinking about why you're laughing about something is always uh, appreciated on me. And uh, I just I don't know I dug the, I dug the crap out of it. Uh, um, well, this is also a, a nice tie-in as well because we. Uh, uh, if you're listening in for the first time, you can email us uh, your thoughts, comments, movie request mm-hmm, mm-hmm, at mm-hmm. onlymoviepodcast at gmail.com or hit us up on Twitter at onlymoviepod. And one of the reasons we are doing this movie is because of an email we got from Steve on uh, via our email who said, uh, and this was, this again, this goes back a while. We're a little late on this we, review. We talked about this, this uh, yeah. I think we talked about this, this email this, before, this, but let's bring it up again. Yeah, so we're, we're definitely back in there now. I was listening to your review of The Disaster Artist and my ears perked up. Matt, when you mentioned you you were eager to see I, Tonya. I worked on the film as the first assistant editor this spring and summer. It's a spectacular movie, and we had a lot of fun making it. It's in limited release. Uh, uh, I hope you both get a chance to see it and can't wait to hear your reviews. So, Steve, listen. We're doing l- it. Listen, Steve. We're doing it. We get it. You worked on a movie. <laughs> it was good. You want us to say you did a good job. We know what you're doing here. Uh, you know, like, but nobody likes a kiss ass. Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> but, Steve... Yes, yes uh, this movie right. is so well. It, I I feel I feel like this is one of those things. I I it would have been awful if you. I, it would have been unusual if you'd seen us a movie that you said you worked on. Now, typically in uh, in films, uh, the assistant editor will work on the assembly cuts, might do rough cuts, might mm-hmm. uh, you know they kind of bring all the footage in, they name it, they organize it. They are the 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 gatekeeper the, to the footage to the editor. The, but 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 uh, on some of the feature films I've uh, seen or worked on or had people work on as well, the assistant editor will actually assim- you know cut sequences together. Oh, yes. uh, alongside the editor. So we don't, Steve, we don't know what you did on this film but i will say this and 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 again i i know i know what you're doing here steve jesus what's happening but really 
this movie should have been nominated for best editing. Uh, yes. <laughs> it really should have been. Yes. Um, yes, and, yes. And, and I'm not just saying that because you emailed us in, but like when I watched this movie, I, I like, even if I didn't know that you'd emailed us in, this movie should have 100%. Uh, the editor was Tatiana Regal and she uh, absolutely should have been nominated for a best editing. A snub in my opinion. A, a complete snub. Uh, and just real quick before we move on, thank you Steve for writing us that, that email. But also I'd like to shout out AEs in general. AEs are the people, the assistant editors are the people that make it so that when i'm doing most of my post work like a good ae and a bad AE is a difference between the production failing or going over budget or just sailing smoothly so when uh, i steve i appreciate your vocation and everything that all aes do because they without without them none of the things that we're talking about and judging tertiarily from an outside perspective would ever even exist and uh, most aes often go on to become uh editors in their own right as well so yes. i'm sure we'll be hearing more steve and uh, uh seeing what you're working on in the future Yes, but, uh, but on the topic of I, Tanya, you also had another, uh, just on the topic of what the film uh, is about, obviously. Yes, uh, so uh, uh, I have, well, I uh, I have a friend who happens to be, <laughs> I have a friend, yes. <laughs> no, no, guys, listen, I know what you're doing, I know what it look, sounds like I'm doing, but I really, I have friends. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I happen to have a friend who was uh, the number two novice skater around the same time as Tanya Harding was going for her first Olympic. Olympic um, qualify, qualification. Okay. I, I, actually, I believe that's the correct uh, terminology. Double there. check your friend. Is, <laughs> it, was this really you? It was really me. Was it I really just, you? Because like you had a friend. Oh, had my fr- friend <laughs> did this thing. Uh, this was 1992, the national championships. Okay. Uh, and this friend of mine uh, uh, was in the younger novice age bracket and placed second. Let's, so call, this, let's call them Bahir. Bahir, yes. <laughs> Bahir. I was trying to think of a rhyming number. <laughs> Have you ever seen me with ice skates on? It is not a pretty sight. Uh, well, <laughs> or or leotards for the example, for, for that matter. I, I, yeah, okay. Um, <laughs> but this person was 14 at the time. Tanya Hardy was, Harding was eight years old. It would have been 22. Uh, Nancy was second. Tanya was third in the senior division. Yes. Uh, and the winner was Christy Yamaguchi, who yep. went on to win Olympic gold that year. Um I asked this person, uh, I, I'm not naming names cause I just don't want to, you know, like, uh, I haven't asked this person's, uh, to, to give their sure, official sure, sure, sure. name on this. So I don't want to like put anyone in any position. That's so, fine. But here, uh, it's but here. Yeah. Um, but, uh, I, I asked them what the, what their impression of Tanya Harding was having been, uh, a, a, a skate, a figure skater at the time and a prominent figure skater at the time. And, uh, this is what they wrote. They wrote, uh, after the beating, everyone in the figure skating world thought she was guilty. Yes. The true story. If what, if that's what the movie is, was not known. The view also was that she wasn't an elegant skater. Tanya Harding wasn't an elegant skater. And a lot of people looked down on her. She was trashy. She didn't belong in the figure skating world. Nancy was portrayed and thought of as a princess. Uh, after seeing the movie, my friend Bahir uh, felt mm-hmm. bad for Tanya. Her eyes were opened uh, to it not being Tanya's fault, and her and she felt she was being unfairly demonized. She also wanted to note that, that, that the, the scene, uh, the opening scene where uh, Tanya skated as a child and the coach approached her, or, you know, in this way it happens a little bit reversed sure. her mother kind of thrust her upon the coach was exactly what happened to my friend yeah. uh, as a figure skater uh, in, at the age of five she loved the movie she loved the music um so i i just i thought it was interesting to get a figure skater's perspective 100%. because this film is so much about the the divide between truth and and this is an interesting thing it, it's not a, the divide between truth and fiction what i think this movie really plays upon is the divide between truth and what we want to be true um, so okay. Okay. Because because we'll talk about that a little bit. Uh, what I mean here is that is that we 
Tanya Harding wants the truth to be that she is the best figure skater in the world, sure. and that's all that matters. But that's not the truth of what she experiences. Like the truth, you know. And 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 for example, uh, you and I in movies, we like to believe that you know. Um, Good will conquer evil. All that is right in the world will eventually be resolved. I guess. And, you know, like, I, I think that's kind of like a, a popular kind of conception about, like, the prism with which we watch movies. Yep. And and the that's the truth that I think Tanya Harding wants in this film. It's the truth that, you know, like, that we are, uh, that, that, that all her hard work, her dedication will pay off. But when she confronts, like, figure skating judges, they're like, no, we just want, we want someone to portray the American, you know, to, to represent America. They have to be wholesome. You're poor. You're, you know, like, you know, for lack of a better term, white trash. Yeah. We, no matter how good you get, you will not be, you know, we will not allow you to represent us. And and she has to fight against that. And I think even her husband, Jeff, wants to believe that this relationship, this young, you know, this 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 marrying dumb, you know, dumb relationship is going to survive. But it's clear to everyone that it's not. And so there's this fiction that, that, that both characters are telling as they talk to the camera, which is up against not that which is not, um, it's not a deception. It's, it's, it's up against what they want to be true. They want the, the, you know, well, it's, it's, it's lying to yourself, whether or not you believe that lie or not. But, but the, but the lie is not necessarily coming from themselves. They're not, you know, like they, they misremember things. The film kind of really plays with this idea of mm. truth and fiction, but it's also like, I think what they're coming up against is what they want to be true. What they, what they believe should be true in the world is not what this, what the world is giving back to them. And Tanya Harding, who's this like uh, permanently gifted figure skater is not being, you know, the world's not bending to that will as much as she thinks it should because of outside factors. Yeah. And, and, and well, I think it's because the world doesn't work like that, you know, like, like, and, and figure skating is one of those sports, like kind of like um, polo or something like that, where there's just an economic factor that means only certain people become great at this sport, you know, like, the, and, and uh, I don't know if that's true for figure skating today. Well, I don't know if Tanya Harding is like exemplifies that that is not true. It's funny because like, if you think about sports that would have like a, a barrier to entry, that is money, right? Yeah. Like polo. Yeah. Cause you need a horse, but it's also played but by, I know, you know, I like, know it's but not, I'm saying like common, that makes you know. sense. But like, and there's a reason why bowling is, yeah. is something good, you know, yeah. whatever, but like figure skating, you just need, a pond and some skates like I, i'm curious where I, I guess figure skating might have sort of become akin to and I, I don't know the history of this if you know the history of this please write us in at only movie podcast at gmail.com but like where where when when did skating in that sort of form become uh sort of a highbrow thing was it because it became sort of a dance with like elegance to sort of tied into it um hmm. uh or or because i mean skating used to be just a pastime that people did yeah. and then the the then obviously sports were like hockey and sort of other things were happening and then people were starting to do tricks and then i'm sure it sort of elevated itself but like it doesn't seem to me like it should be that much of a gatekeeped sport and it never and it never occurred to me honestly until I mean, I didn't give it this much thought beyond when I was a little kid. It, you know, the 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 Tanya Harding Nancy Kerrigan story was a big deal, and and Nancy was always the good person who was who was victimized Wrong. by the yeah. bad person. Yeah, down to the point. It's and she talks about they talk about this in the film where Tanya Harding became a punchline. She, yeah. First, first she was abused by people around her, then. 
uh, we, she was abused by literally everybody in the country. And then she just became a joke. Right. And because if you got hit in the knee, that was Tanya Harding. Like yeah. that was literally someone the, Harding. When, when I was a child, yeah. that was it. And when you're a kid, you don't know better. You don't know yeah. the social. And then I hadn't really thought about the story in years. And then I watched this movie and I was like, of course there's another side to this. Yeah. And and it's it's always so interesting to me when when film can can take a preconceived notion and not only give you an aspect of it that is the opposite, but turn it on its head enough where you're like, oh, yeah, like nothing is black and white. Yeah. And this movie is a perfect example of why we should never consider anything sort of black and white. There's there's shades of gray all over. And uh, it's it's uh, I don't know. It was I'm going to guess what the IMDb uh, synopsis is here. I'm going to go. It's the true life story of Tanya Harding, Olympic figure skater who fell into notoriety for an incident uh, that occurred. It's not the true life story. Yeah. Uh, competitive ice skater Tanya Harding rises amongst the ranks at the U.S. Figure Skating Championships, but her future in the activity, <laughs> wow, in the activity, mm-hmm. is thrown into doubt when her ex-husband intervenes. <laughs> right, yeah, intervenes. <laughs> well, yeah, hires somebody to misinterpret a thing to then hit somebody with a pipe, a <laughs> uh, baton. Matt, um, what did you think of the movie? Uh, I dug it. I mean, I said that before. I 100% dug the crap out of it. I think uh, something I've really been enjoying lately is uh, Margot Robbie in general. Yeah. she's she. Uh, I feel like uh, Margot Robbie falls into the Oscar Isaac camp we talked about last <laughs> time with Annihilation. But every time I see Margot Robbie... It's a different Margot Robbie. Right. Uh, and and it's so interesting when because the first time I saw Margot Robbie was in Wolf of Wall Street. And that's yeah. a very specific role and yeah. whatnot. And, you know, it didn't give her a chance to do too much range wise. Yeah. And then you see her in other films down to uh, Whiskey Tango Foxtrot. I was she was a kind of a shining star in even that movie to me because she felt like a real human being character. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, then you look at even she's the one of the only decent parts in Suicide Squad outside yeah. of Will Smith. <laughs> um and oh and then the other focus the Will Smith and her movie was I loved that movie yeah, was that was really Great. fun we saw that together yeah holding hand in hand yep and then uh so and every time I see her and then when I heard she was doing this I was like really yeah and then I saw it seems it. like a perfect fit for her though yeah I just I I I like I like chameleon actors I like actors that mm. that amorphize into the parts they play and I don't think oh that's Margot Robbie and at right. this point other than you know knowing it in the beginning I never was taken out of it being yeah. like oh like Jeff Goldblum is the opposite I love Jeff Goldblum for Jeff Goldblum right. I don't think I've ever seen a Jeff Goldblum performance where I was taken out of the fact that I'm watching Jeff Goldblum right right uh again there's two different ways to enjoy a performance yeah um so I really dug this Sebastian Stain as well. Uh, uh, I, I I like him a lot. He was different than I'd ever seen him before. So kudos on that. Again, the editing was absolutely nuts. Um, yeah. I loved it to death. I loved that it was a Goodfellas-esque sort of, I always use that trope and it's not quite that with the way the story is told, but like. It's hard not to see a lot of Scorsese influence yeah. on this film. And, and I really dug the fact, the structure of it. And again, this kind of goes back to the editing too is that the it's based around interviews that they re they reshot interviews with the actors acting out these interviews but they're real interviews yeah so it, it it structures a story around that and it jumps back and forth between you see the story from multiple perspectives a few times on you're not quite sure exactly a hundred percent if what you're what you're watching is the truth right uh and that I dug a ton also um you, you can't you can't uh 
talk about this movie and performances without bringing up uh, the mother played by uh, <laughs> my, my girl, uh, uh, Allison Janney. Yes. Thank you so much. Yeah. 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 Uh, holy crap. It was oh, great. Yeah. Uh, I do think that going into it, I had heard her performance was magnificent in it. And so I think I bought into the hype train a little too much. And then when I saw it, I was like, oh, it's very good. Yeah. But then I don't think I gave it enough sort of clout. And that actually upon thinking about it, it's just she, she does an awesome job. Yeah. Um, and I, I don't know. I just um, I think. Oh, and finally, this is a question I really wanted to ask you, Sheer. So I was impressed. Now, granted, I saw this on a, on a small screen, so I don't know. Mm hmm how it translates. I was very impressed with the VFX work they did for her skating mm-hmm. um, and facial mapping and, and all that stuff to make Margot Robbie look like she's doing this stuff. Yeah. I read on a lot of blogs and a lot of people that I normally respect on, mm-hmm. on these sort of matters that they thought it was garbage, that they mm-hmm. thought that the, the effects work was, was subpar and it took them out of the experience entirely. Did that affect, I mean, you work in, in visual design and graphic design and gra- in motion effects all over the place. Do you think, do you think, how, how did, did you were ever thrown out of it? What did you think it was good or bad? So it comes to a, a sort of broader question of visual effects here. Um, I, uh, uh, first off, when I saw it, my initial response was I was very impressed by the visual effects. I was, mm-hmm. I, I thought, okay, this is a, a really impressive way because because they're starting they're doing things like by actually having the camera in the in the arena with her skating kind of handheld following her yep. and that's it's you know like Margot Robbie's not uh, an Olympic figure skater she so did a you, bunch of training but it's not uh, doing the yeah, shit that she's, she's doing she's not gonna do a triple axel you yeah. know what I mean um so so what I what I appreciated about that was um. This is what visual effects should do. Visual effects should enable us to make a film like this. You know, like I know we, you know, like when people think about visual effects, we think about like cities being blown up and that sort of thing. And this is a much more... Uh, th- this is a much more subtle uh, kind of work, you know, like it's 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 um, uh, it's motion tracking, face mapping, 3D design on a face. Plus, they're doing all sorts of crowd recreations mm-hmm. and lighting design in, in that arena as well to make it fill out. And I was like, well, this is actually what I'm interested in with visual effects, because it's it's not supposed to draw attention to itself. Now, I yes, I certainly noticed some of the facial mapping. You know, there are points at which the head doesn't quite mm-hmm. um, feel like it's completely attached to the body <laughs> in a way that's natural. But I was like, but that's the that's actually the upper echelon of where the technology is right now. I mean, the the only other comparison film I can think of where they did it um perhaps a little bit more gracefully, but they didn't have to do as much was the curious case of Benjamin Button mm. where, or, or Black Swan even as well, uh, where they had to do body doubles and that sort of thing. And, and in both of those, if you look really closely, you will see the seams, you know, but, but I, but I found like, as I was watching it, that, that these were just really skillful, uh, and and tastefully done executions of of the of the technology, you know, of, of how you do it, and and without it, this film doesn't exist. Yeah. So you know, this is a eleven million dollar movie, so it's not a big huge blockbuster, but it's it's you it's drawing upon the technology that is being funneled down from big blockbuster movies and using it in subtle ways to tell a story that you wouldn't ordinarily be able to tell yeah. at this budget range. So for that, you know, even even though. Yeah, I saw some of the seams occasionally, but I I have a trained eye for that. Yeah, um, I, I I would venture to guess ninety. It's it, it's it's one of those things like sometimes you like you will finesse a finesse a visual effects 
for the 1% of people who understand it. <laughs> right. But like 95, 99% of the people will never, ever notice it. I was shocked so much as a, a tangent, but Henry Cavill's mustache in Justice League, yeah. so many people didn't notice it. Yeah. And I, I was like, and the thing is, is, is if you hadn't told me that story, I wouldn't be on the lookout for it. So I wouldn't. I wasn't care. on the lookout for it before. I was like, why does his mouth look like it's not human? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'll, and side note, did you see from a VFX perspective? I'll send you the link, or if anyone knows, uh, send 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 it to us at onlywepodcast@gmail.com. There's a link of a someone who did the VFX on a $500 computer with yeah. a different sort of way and made the removal yeah. better right. than the million dollars they spent. It's insane. Oh well, there you go. Um. Anyway. Um, okay, that's good. I wanted I wanted that perspective of it because that was a a, a a fairly vocal criticism of this film that I'd been hearing, and I was like, I don't yeah. see it. That's the thing, you know. Like, uh, if you if you're looking for it, you'll see it. Sure. If you're not looking for it, you probably you know there there are a, a number of visual effects that we don't even know about. Yeah. Um. You know, like I have friends that work in digital retouching, and and there's a lot of work that goes into digital retouching that you will never know. And that's if they did, they did their job. If they did their job, they, you'll never know. And yeah. it's just one of those things. If you're looking for it, you can complain about it. But if you're not looking for it, you know, you probably won't notice it. What about you, Shahir? How do you feel overall first impressions? I, Tanya Town. This movie is is incredibly impressive. It is a deeply, deeply impressive film. Uh, not, not just in... Uh, the way it's made, director Craig Gillespie just knocks this out the park. You know, like I, I I've seen uh, his film Lars and the Real Girl, but I haven't seen Million Dollar Arm. You know, he's kind of been working uh, in Hollywood, kind of as I, I don't know his exactly how it works with them, but it seems like a director for hire kind of thing. He's not someone you follow, but yeah. you're you're you like. But the I, but I I really did like Lars and the uh, Lars and the Real Girl. Lars and the Real Girl was a movie. Uh, Ryan Reynolds is in that, right? Yeah, no, no, not Ryan Reynolds. Uh, um, uh, Ryan Gosling. Uh, Ryan Gosling is in that. Yeah, with a with a doll. Yeah. Um, and, and it, it was a movie that was way bitter than it should have, that it, than it could have been, uh, than it should have been. Like it felt like it was, it <laughs> yeah. felt like it was like a kind of a gag, but it was like so heartfelt and sincere that it really like worked. Sure. Um, and, and, you know, I agree with that thing you're saying about Margot Robbie as well. I was like, I, I think she's, what I like about her at this point is I feel like she's capitalizing on the opportunities being given to her. She's not, yes. uh, you know, like she was in, uh, the big short as Margot Robbie, you know, sitting in a, in a tub, in drinking, a tub yeah. drinking champagne. I was like, she could easily be cast as that kind of person, uh-huh. uh, throughout her career from now on. But you know, she's, she's not, she's young uh, you know, she's very attractive, obviously. Um, she could easily easily be cast in, in any movie that just, you know, wants that. Um, but she's really pushing, you know, pushing herself out here. She produced this film. Um, you know, uh, so I, I feel like she's really capitalizing on the opportunity to like do good work. And this is one of those examples of, of her doing good work. Um, uh, but, but okay. So, so, so Margot Robbie out of the way, I think Craig Gillespie's execution of this film is outstanding. Um, in terms of like, yeah, bringing that kind of, it's derivative to say Scorsese touch, but it is the Scorsese touch in terms of the way this film there's influence swings and moves and 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 cuts back and forth and like and like in a way kind of runs as almost a stream of consciousness yeah um you know i i've just been on a binge recently of, i, I uh, call it haptic i don't know if that's a good but like, like the that haptic sort of, feedback yeah. kind of thing I don't know. That's just what I do. Maybe, yeah. Uh, I've just been on a binge recently of Goodfellas Casino, Wolf of Wall Street, um, thinking about that sort of mode of Scorsese, Scorsese, which has this sort of a slightly punk rock, but also stream of consciousness yeah. kind of aesthetic. Uh, and this replaces the voiceover in the Goodfellas mode with uh, direct interviews. And mm-hmm. I think what's cool about that is 
the the film again the the script is playing on this idea of truth and reality truth you know fiction and nonfiction and again you know and I think it it what what's what I really like about it is that that it's not just a gimmick it eventually gets into this idea of 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 the truth of what we want and 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 the thing that's that's cool about this for all the I, I think I've labeled this as histrionics before like mm. the the idea of like you know the flamboyancy of it. Um, for all of the flamboyancy of this film, the things that are most heartbreaking are, you know, close-ups of of Tanya. There's this one close-up which you will see in. The, I think they even used it as a poster, mm-hmm. where she's putting on makeup for an Olympic qualifying round, and it's like this this really gaudy. Yeah. Um. You know, she's lit horribly. She looks, you know, like she looks like kind she looks of haggard. She looks haggard. She looks like a zombie that's been woken up like way too early. You know, like she hasn't quite fully transformed yet. Yep. Uh, and she's like putting on this smile because she wants to like. You know, again, she want the the truth of what she wants is is you know like very different to where she's at, mm-hmm. and and the movie, you know, Craig Gillespie and the editors and everyone working on this film just smartly allow that moment to be a moment, yeah, and it tells so much of the story. During our review of the post, we talked a little bit about, um, and I, it actually came up in our "Call Me by Your Name" episode as well, where this idea that I've kind of been thinking about a lot is the totality of the experience. Okay, so. Um, and what I mean by that is like with the, the, you know, the film like Call Me By Your Name felt like not a lot going on until the end. And then you realize the totality of the experience meant something. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the post, we talked a little bit about how that film was, for me personally, that movie was trying to like pull in sort of many different directions. It was trying to do a story about the Pentagon Papers, trying to do a story about the Washington Post. It was trying to do a story about, um, you know, like the ownership of uh, of, of the Washington Post. Uh, so it was trying to do a lot of things. And, and it, to me, that movie felt like it was kind of pulling in too many different directions i liked it what's incredible about this film is this film is pulling in 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 almost as many if not more directions and the tonal shifts that this movie has to go through are so big like it it essentially it starts out as this kind of sweet um you know like reminiscence of like this great time and then it also then it moves into like this this sort of story of domestic abuse but but like does it with this like play of fiction and truth really really smartly because it, it manages to like um it manages not to dwell in those moments even though those are heartbreaking moments mm-hmm. And then it like then it fully almost one eighty degree shifts into a Coen Brothers movie about like idiotic <laughs> crime. Yeah, and it and and it manages to sustain that entire tone completely convincingly throughout the entire experience. And I think the structure that they build it on and the editing or however this is a script is, is scripted. Yeah. Uh, that is that is the the skeleton at which all of those things can attach to and still maintain functionality. I want to shout out Stephen Rogers, the writer, and I want to shout him out for a very specific reason, which is that he has written one of... Um, one of my wife's favorite films, uh, a oh. movie called P.S. I Love You, okay. which is a movie that, um, and and so my wife, like, generally, she likes, uh, you know, she's a she's a hard scientist, you know, like, so she works in, like, she's trying to cure cancer, you know. Is like, that on her business card? Yeah, I'm a hard scientist. Hard scientist. <laughs> <laughs> so her movie choices are often, like, the exact opposite. She doesn't want movies that are, like, 
hard. She doesn't want. She doesn't want flaccid uh, <laughs> theories. Yeah, she, she wants hard. No, science. no, 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 no. Joe, she wants fluffiness in the movies. She oh. wants movies that she, you know, like that are just like pure enjoyment. Oh, and, she wants the opposite of what she does in the day. Exactly, exactly. And and like there are certain movies like that. You know, like the thing is though, the ones that she actually loves are ones that I go. These are actually way bitter than they should be. And one of them, one of the, um, well, one you, of the, you can't turn off smart. She here. Yeah, one of the movies that she loves is the sweetest thing, which I think is derided as like one of the worst movies ever made. It's got sure. Cameron Diaz in it. But I watch it and I go, this is just as good as like Dumb and Dumber. You know, like mm-hmm. it, it's like a female Farrelly Brothers movie yeah. and it's really good. I, I don't know. A lot of people don't like that movie. The other one is P.S. I Love You, which is written by Stephen Rogers, who wrote this, who wrote I, Tanya. And P.S. I Love You is this like yeah, it's a schmaltzy kind of like romance film about a, you know, it's got Gerard Butler and, and um, Hilary Swank in it about a relationship that, you know, where, you know, in some spoilers, Gerard Butler dies and writes all these letters to his wife for things for her to do. Now, that sounds like a kind of not lifetime movie, but like a movie of the week kind of romance, sure, you know, sure, 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 sure. but it's really good. And it's really, what's good about it is it's really affecting. Like it actually, like it lands all the notes it's trying to do. So I, you know, like Steven Rogers is this guy and you know, he's gone on to do films like, uh, love, uh, Kane Leopold, uh, Stepmom, hope floats, you know, like he does this kind of thing. I'm really interested in hope floats because hope floats kind of, um, is a Sandra Bullock film that again, plays really similarly to I, Tanya. Mm. And that it's about a woman who, uh, a beauty pageant queen, if I'm remembering correctly, I haven't seen it in a long time, who who goes on a Jerry Springer type show and I think is broken up with and has to confront the reality of her life versus the beauty pageant thing. So I think that's kind of similarly itched into I, Tanya, yeah. which is this this sort of um, the truth of what, who she is, the truth of who America thinks she is, and, and you know, like the reality of what the world is. The, the couple of questions I had for you, where um, I, I feel like the not the reason you would like this film, but I think that this film uh, plays into the thing that I liked about uh, OJ, the OJ Simpson, the people versus OJ Simpson, okay. um, but in a much more entertaining way, you know, like it's not seven hours long for one. It's, su- it's incredibly entertaining. This film, it's, 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 it's supremely watchable. Right. Um, so I was curious about, you know, your response to this versus that. The other thing I was curious about, and I was just two two uh, So this, Third, second question is actually a two-factor question. Oh, Jesus. Okay, I'm, right, I'm writing this down. Yeah, yeah. OJ. Because, okay, OJ because, because something you've brought up a lot in um, movies that we've reviewed are unlikable characters, people who do terrible things. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, like we've... I think you and I have differed slightly on this. In, you know, for example, I'm thinking about The Florida Project yep. where you did not, you know, like the mother. Um, right. And, and also um, The Light Between Oceans, where you felt that these were just terrible people. Um, <laughs> right. You know, and, and I was curious your response to this versus your thinking about those films, um, because these are ostensibly a lot of these people are terrible people. Um, the, the, the third, the second okay. factor of that Ter- question. Terrible people yeah, question. Ter- yeah, terrible people. Terrible disliking characters. Is uh, another thing that you've brought up repeatedly uh, in in our reviews, which is the term Oscar bait, um, and and what what is the definition of Oscar bait uh, for you? Because I think we've talked about it a lot, but we've never come to a clear. We never uh, will. Yeah. Uh, um, um, so so those are the three things that I was sort of like I was watching with you in mind. Okay. Well, uh, OJ question. Uh, I think. It, 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 it definitely scratches the same itch in a way if you are interested in the story to begin with. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, it t- it retells a tale. I, Tanya, retells a tale, as does the seven-hour OJ doc, uh, of, of a story that you might not know all the facts to. Mm-hmm. And from a fact-finding mission or a true crime, even like sort of, I guess, more of a true crime perspective, uh, those things are 100% uh, va- uh, validating and, and make you uh, buy into the experience even more. So I think the same itch is being scratched in both. Yeah. But one... Uh, is very um, in-depth and and almost clinical. And the other one is a bit more stylish in the sense of trying to get you involved. Like, if you weren't already interested in it, it wants you to get interested in it. Whereas I feel like, I mean, I, Tanya, I feel like the O.J. Simpson thing is like, if look, if you're going to sit down and watch seven hours of anything, you're already into it. Right. Um. So that's sort of in regards to that. As far as unlikable characters are concerned, um, or, or, or characters that you don't like. So let's even look at, let's look at Florida project and the mother from Florida project. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't see, uh, the way and th- th- let's, yeah, this is actually a very good example. So, so Tanya Harding and the mother from the Florida project mm-hmm. are kind of, uh, not di- different, different locations, obviously, but, but sort of similar problems in their, what probably how they were brought up and, and, and how, um, th- their, their stories might be more akin as far as just from a socioeconomical point of where they're coming from. Right. Um, the way, and again, it, it kind of devolves into what the film is actually about. I think Florida project is a lot about the, the innocence sort of, of being a child and, and the experiences of childhood throughout even beyond where, what, what joys or traumas you have. Mm-hmm. Um, so the mother isn't given, and I don't think it's the point of that movie, um, given enough, I only see the mother being selfish, but then like being loving to the child when it makes sense for her to be, or when even it sort of feels good to be loving to the child in, in, in Florida project. And I'm, I don't want to get too much into it, but that's sort of how I saw her. I saw her as a very selfish character mm-hmm. in I Tanya, because it's such a deep character piece about Tanya Harding. Mm-hmm. You see far more reasons than you do the mother in, in, in Florida project of why she is the way she is. The story explains through all of the trauma that she went through her entire life. And that's not saying that uh, all of it's not her fault for not doing this, that, or the other thing, but you can, it's a far, it's far more easy to relate to someone that you have their whole backstory as opposed to uh, a character that just is making all of these decisions where you're just like, Oh, this person's awful. Right. Like, and, 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 and a hundred percent, if the Florida project two comes out and it's the discussion of all of how, um, Haley, I think it was, or I don't remember the character's name became how she was. Maybe I would have a differing opinion, but I think if you're going to try to make a sympathetic, awful character, you need to do that groundwork. And I, Tanya is entirely for the first act and a half, all that groundwork, the stuff with her mother, the abusive relationship of her, um, of, of Sebastian Stane, of her, of her husband then ex-husband the the leaving of her her father tanya's father leaving being one of the only positive people in her life to just abandon her basically and then you get her in the sport that she just happens to be excellent at works really hard at and then those people who are in charge of that sport treat her like garbage too and it's like then all this this perfect soup of just being abused for lack of a better term your entire life then is exacerbated by the fact that people around you uh, due to all their issues are stupid and are not actually uh, able to 
<laughs> to, to to discern fact from fiction and uh causing a a already like horrible situation with horrible people to be exacerbated to nightmarish uh national levels so um i think as far as that's concerned that's my answer to the the character thing and as far as oscar bait question number three i would say uh this film i don't think I didn't even think about it in terms of Oscar bait. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's too uh, almost, uh, how do I put it? Rough and tumble uh, or, or too. So if it, this was the Nancy Kerrigan story, would you think it was Oscar bait? Depending on, well, it depends on how it was, how it was done. Right. There's nothing in this film that makes me think like, oh, they're shooting like every, every film wants to be recognized. Of course, if, right. they're, if they're trying to make a good film, but like, uh, Oscar bait is, and this is one of the definitions I can think of off the top of my head is things in a film. If, if enough tropes that the Oscars tend to gravitate towards are in a film, either in its production style or its story of production or the topics or the characters, then that sort of is sort of an Oscar baity film. Mm-hmm. This has a few, yeah. I would say trying to like, it's a, it's a real life story of a sports icon i'll say it's also uh, an actor a leading lady or a leading actress transforming themselves to sure to, sure know. that trope of production but then beyond that i don't quite know what else is oscar Beatty about like normally if i if i there's no such thing as a hard rule for this made-up <laughs> term i've done but like <laughs> it's it, actually not a made-up term there have been a couple of studies about it okay yeah. like i would say i would say three or more like if i want to go rules <laughs> of three i guess i don't know but like that's Actually, i i i asked the question because it it Felt like, like, again, I, I don't think this is an Oscar Beatty movie, yeah. but I feel like that term has been used sort of quite uh, a little bit. Uh, it's lazily used. I try to not use it lazily. Whenever I call a movie Oscar bait, I yeah. tend to have, whether whether people agree with me or not, I have a very distinct list of reasons why I think that is. Right. It's, it's. And, and I haven't even before this conversation considered this film like that. Yes. Looking at it, I could point at a couple things, yeah. but as a whole, as a, as a project, I never got that. The reason, me. the reason I, I, I bring that term up is because I think, I think the term, uh, the problem is with Oscar, with the term Oscar bait is it gets used as a shorthand for when you don't like something. And I think if you didn't like this movie, huh. example, if you didn't like this movie, you would call it, you could just, you know, use that term Oscar bait because it's like, well, hold on. Uh, okay. So let's look at some of the Oscar nominees this year. Okay. Uh, I think, um, I know call what, me by your name could be considered an Oscar Beatty film, but I liked it a lot. Right. Um, I, I think, I think, I think I use it as an extra spice for, I, I bring it up more with films that I don't like yeah, because that's, and that's what I mean is it, is that it's, we're not using it in a, ter- in a way that, um, is analytical. It's a shorthand for things. You know, it's like it's it's basically it's shorthand. It's shorthand for it's like shorthand for a thi- for for calling out because I think if we do the things film, not done as well as I would have liked them to be done. Because I think the one movie we haven't reviewed in the in the best picture run is um is the darkest hour. Right, and we're and gonna think, try. We're gonna and, try. And I think that term will come up there. And I you know that term has come up a lot with the post. Uh, which is a film you like. Yeah. So we, but oh, yeah. Post, you, is, it, Post, honestly, <laughs> is probably the most Oscar Beatty film this year. Right. But you um, like that film. But I like that film. So it's, it, you know, like, it's that, that's, the, that's the thing about the, the, that phrase. I that definitely see where you're coming from yeah. with this, uh, 100%. Yeah. I, I, um, I know I use that sort of in the, it, I've used it in the past to, to negatively describe things. <laughs> um, 
And I think it's because, you know what it is? It's finding the value in a film for, right. for me personally. Yeah. And when I don't find that value, but I see all the boxes being checked, yeah. I'm like, well, since they didn't do that effectively enough for me, and again, this is a very egocentric sort of outlook yeah. on a film, then then I'm like, it's Oscar baby because right. they're, they're just throwing, they're not trying hard enough. That's an awful thing to say, but they, they didn't grip me in these aspects of what they were trying to do that then makes it be like, well, they just had to just want to do all these things. I don't know. So it's, it's a, it's and a personal the, reaction. The reason, and I think my personal reaction to that is that the reason why I don't like the phrase, for example, is that I feel like it dismisses the work of the people involved for wanting to make a good movie. It's like, uh, you know, like, like, I think it calls out for me personally, it's calling out, uh, having ideas of what a good movie is and not delivering on them. Right. But but that's entirely subjective. Like, it is but, 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 and that's the point. It's like if they did deliver on them, then you don't use the phrase. If they don't deliver on them, they because use the I phrase. Because I use it as a term of calling out normally things that don't. But if you want to look at it from a purely like checkboxy, is the point doing the thing well or checking the box? Right. And that is what that I think is what I would narrow and, my And I guess to. my my thing is is that I feel like it derides the the people involved, like. You know, like because because sure. it suggests like, oh, I'm just doing this because I want this. Sure. You know, like and it derides the work that. But people- when, but when, but when the work, whatever that work is, is not speaking to me or an audience or whatever, I think that's why it comes up because it doesn't come out as a meaningful addition to a thing that's being created for me or the person that's experiencing calling it Oscar bait. It just comes off as okay. I mean, I guess this is a musical starring two of the most pers- uh, popular I think, actors. I think the phrase, the the sort of the the phrase behind the phrase that might be. Uh, more useful is insincere whether the film feels insincere about its intention yeah i mean I, yeah 100 percent. i agree uh, with that um coming back to the the thing about the unlikable <laughs> yeah, but, but about the movies uh coming back to the thing about the unlikable character the things that i was kind of thinking about a lot um was was actually uh tanya harding's mother and uh jeff galuli sebastian stan um and and in the way that those two characters were uh supremely uh, yes, they they fit into that mold of unlikable, um, but they're also what I think this movie does really, really well. Uh, that I thought was very imp- deeply impressive, you know, amongst other things, was that it gave those characters a real heartbeat to them, and it gave those characters a real sense of like, yes, these are these are they they're doing terrible things. They do uh, they do put Tanya into a terrible position, um, but they also. They just want things, you know, they want, they want things to be a certain way and they're, and that's just not the way the world works. And for good or ill, they're trying and doing different things to try to move it in that direction and it, and it doesn't always work. And they, and they're, they're supremely damaged people, you know, and that's what I, uh, you know, that, 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 that thing about unlikable characters, I think if a movie does work well, it doesn't, you know, like character. I, we, we've we've got into this mode of commercial filmmaking, you know, and it happens all the time. And I and I hope that this doesn't sound as pontifying or anything like that. But like you know, like we we think that likable characters are what audiences want. I I, I really don't believe. I think that. it's interesting yeah. characters. I, yeah, I think I think a character can relatable be, character. The best is when you can have a character that's not likable, but you can still relate to. I, I don't know if relatable is actually a necessary quantifier for me. Because, I can relate. Well, maybe relatable is the wrong term or whatever. Because I'm because, to say. because understandable. Yeah, understandable. I think is a better term because relatable means like oh if I if I, I don't understand the 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 inner workings of a Swahili tribe then I don't 
you know, like then I don't relate to it. Mm-hmm. And I think that gets into like this really odd thing. Understandable. Yeah. Uh, not having, not necessarily having walked in that person's uh, footwear, but being able to either through empathy or through just what you're told, be able to sort of see their perspective and why they see a way, a thing the way they see it. Which is, and what I, so what I loved in this film was this notion that uh, Alison Janney's character, uh, uh, Tanya's mother is, is this single waitress mom who's basically working her whole, you know, like she, she is, uh, yeah, she's, she's terrible to be around. She, she hits her kid. She, um, you know, like she, she's not support. She's not emotionally supportive. She's not, uh, empathetic to her daughter's She's mentally and physically abusive. Yeah. Um, but we, we understand, like she has this, this amazing speech, uh, in the middle of it where she says something along the lines of, um, I may, I gave you a gift knowing that you would hate me for it. That's a real sacrifice that a mother makes. Now, I don't, the thing is, the, 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 this movie is so smart mm-hmm. that it, that it like, that that doesn't play as a, as a sincere moment. We don't believe, we don't go, oh, this is who this character is. But what this movie does is go, oh, this is what this character believes. I even go, I'm going to take it one step further. I don't think it's what the character believes. I think it's the, and a lot of characters do this in this movie, it's the story the character is telling themselves to justify their own selfish actions. What they believe. No, no, no. Because so, I think deep down, and I think you see it in the performances from all the different characters this happens in this movie, which is, again, why I think the character pieces are so wonderful, is it's, it's I'll, I'll say this to simplify it. It's what they want to believe is true. That's I don't, yeah. I don't, Fiction versus the truth they I want. I don't think, I honestly don't think the mother, I think the mother in moments of, of odd lucidity, mm-hmm. lucidity, uh, clarity comes at them and be like, Oh my God, well, why am I so fucking awful to my dog? Mm-hmm. Oh, well it's, Oh, well it's because it's yeah. cause she would never have been so great if I wasn't like this. Right. Like they, I but don't, that's, but that's a scene where she's being confronted with that I question, know, but that's her lying. That's her lying to herself and buying into the lie. Yeah. And I, I think the other, uh, the, the other one, there's this heartbreaking moment. It's a, it's a strange spoilers. Yeah. Uh, you, you realize these characters, they just come, you know, they come from a world that that I don't understand, but it's also a really um, abusive world from everyone. Well, let's talk. Oh, sorry. Uh, sorry and, no. and and the the thing that I was gonna talk about was this moment towards the end where uh, you know Tanya leaves Jeff uh, a number of times, um, but the last time she leaves is when she's really on the precipice of joining the Olympic uh, team for the second time around, and and you know the Tanya the 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 Nancy Kerrigan attack has happened, and and the questions being asked is how much did Tanya know? How much did you know? Like how much was she? participating in all of this. Um, and she really decides, I just need to make a break from Jeff at this yeah. point for the, for the better. And there, there's a sort of amazing scene where she's like locked the door. She's about to climb out the window and, and Jeff, what I love about Sebastian Stan's performance, your boy, Bucky, uh, <laughs> My what, boy I, uh, what I love about his performance here. And it's something that I haven't seen in winter soldier or anything like that. James Buchanan Barnes is, is this, is this like, is this domestic abuse, you know, this, this, this sort of vile domestic abuse coupled with this complete, um, not hidden insecurity. It's like, it's like, it's on the surface of him. He is like a soft spoken, mm-hmm. insecure man who, you know, he says, I believe that the sun rose and set around Tanya. He loves her deeply. And this, mo- she, she says at this line, I just thought this was like tragic, heartbreaking, heartbreaking and beautiful. He said, he asks her, you know, what do you think we should do? What do you think I should do? And she says, I don't know, Jeff. 
I really think you should probably just kill yourself. And he, and it's just devastating, mm-hmm. you know, like it is this, this complete moment of destruction for this person. You know, when she, when he realizes she has no love left for him at all, she has nothing left for him. You know, like he, he's been able to talk his way back into this relationship. He's been able to like mm-hmm. manipulate his way back in, but there's just nothing left here for her, for him. And, and what I, what I love about this movie is it is it's able to create that moment in this terrible human being and this person who does these terrible things, you know, like actually he like, and he's, he even says it at the end, I ruined her career. Yeah. Um, I, I just, it, it's, it's a testament to how good and smart this movie is. Yes. Let's circle back a little bit to the themes of abuse and trauma too, because that's something if I, I feel like we've been heaping praise upon this thing, let's, yeah. let's talk about something that could be considered problematic. Yeah. Um, it basically, I, I, I kind of want to turn it into the, the, I wrote it down in my notes, the phrase, the comedy of trauma. A lot of the laughs that we're getting here uh, in the film are sort of portrayals or, or married right next to moments of real pain. Yeah. Like there's some narration in the way it's cut together uh, is made for, to play a little bit lightly or more humorously, but like, we'll go from a line or a quippy thing or a one, you know, something that, that is sort of like, ha ha. And then we see Tanya's face get smashed into a mirror. Yeah. Like, and it, it, I think that many films do this and it is problematic. In fact, some things, even you could say some of the things is not necessarily abuse, but just sort of social connotations with some of the jokes and humor in three billboards. Yeah. We talked about that Yeah, here. I think, or it, even directly domestic. Yeah, yeah. In that film. But here I think it, it actually plays into the theme of how America treated this story at the time it was happening yeah because it did just become a joke and that's echoed in in the acts of violence that are put towards tanya or and sometimes even to jeff but jeff is obviously the abuse you know what i mean yeah. it's just these acts of violence people are doing onto each other that 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 sometimes is played for a laugh yeah i i actually um i i i have a reading of that but i actually like your reading a little bit better which is the uh, the idea that this is a reflection of the way america treats this i think it's a it's a bit of a broader reading reading, but it's a, but it plays nicely to, to, to exactly what the final, uh, in fact, she has a line, uh, uh, Tanya, uh, has a line, which is like, um, you know, America wants someone to love, but then they want someone to hate. And it was like, they, she says this thing, she says, they loved me for a minute, but then they, they hit, they hated me again. And it was like this, you know, but then I was abused again, but this time it was by everyone. Yeah. By all of you, by all of you. And she's talking directly to the camera, um, which, you know, that's, it's such a fine line to do that kind of breaking the fourth wall, talking to the camera thing where it could go wrong so easily. But isn't that in one of the interviews too? So she's actually just talking to the interviewee addressing America. Exactly. Not necessarily the audience, but the audience. No. And I just, and I just mean like breaking the fourth wall is one of those things that can be that that can be obnoxious you know like the film i think about that breaks the breaks the fourth wall badly is a film like swordfish you know which at the beginning of it he talks about how bad movies are and then they proceed to make a bad movie yeah, you know like it's, it's yeah. one of those things oh, i haven't seen swordfish <laughs> in ages uh, it, it, it's not necessarily breaking the fourth wall but it's like you know it's very hard to do very very well and this movie does it very very well because thematically the the you know you made the point that it's about america's abuse of tanya harding my, my thing was thematically the reason why the domestic abuse scenes and I, you know, this is the wrong phrasing work is that they're framed entirely. Well, they're framed by, by this notion of truth and fiction. Mm -hmm. And like throughout those scenes, the camp, you know, like it basically allows us to underplay like, and again, you know, the thing that I like is that it it allows us not to dwell in the abuse of those scenes because the characters will stop and address the audience in the middle. And both characters do, you know, like she'll, 
uh, she'll say this never happened, and she, yeah, you know, like he beat the shit out of me, and and then she and then he'll directly address the audience when when something is reflecting on him, and so you get this like it 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 layers the 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 abuse with this like truthing the, the, it's the, not even an unre- unreliable narrator no. it's a it's almost it's it's a dual it's mm. dual completely relatable reliable narrators in the sense that like there were when they say those things mm. uh, this didn't happen da, yeah, da, da, da. they believe they believe things. that didn't happen yeah. but but the truth is probably somewhere in the middle it's somewhere in the middle and it's somewhere weird like i mean i think i think we can safely assume that that Tanya Harding was a victim of domestic abuse and mm-hmm. then if we look um inductively at the crime itself um, this is a group of people that that thought that um, a physical retali- a physical uh, attack on Nancy, you know, uh, Nancy Kerrigan was an effective method for, you know, for like gaming the Olympics. So it's like you're in this world where that's okay, violence is okay, and you think it's gonna, yeah, you think it's gonna work out, yeah, yeah, you think it's gonna actually play <laughs> out like that. So it's it's I think it it it, it works. Because of because of the layering of violence, mm-hmm. and and then the movie has this kind of snappy style to it. That yeah, the 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 danger of this, and I think it's the it, the films that I remember us talking about this 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 exact topic are um, both Three Billboards Outside of Ebbing, Missouri, and uh, Quentin Tarantino's film The, the Hateful Eight, starring mm-hmm. Jennifer Jason Leigh. And and the thing that I sort of called out about The Hateful Eight, uh, and I haven't rewatched that film, but I'd I, like to. I'd I'd, I'd kind of like to rewatch that film. Is the notion that that I felt like the abuse that it was heaped upon Jennifer Jason Leigh was used as a punchline um, and not as a character moment, you know. Like she would yeah. just get, get punched and that was the end of the, the line, you know? Um, and, and I felt like the movie kind of just was uneasy in that respect, especially for someone like Quentin Tarantino, who's so good at, at like giving characters mm-hmm. motivations. Uh, and in three billboards outside of even Missouri, there would literally be a character jumping in in the, mo- in the moment of domestic abuse to like, you know, issue it to, to say a joke. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was kind of problematic. I think this film is less problematic. And we talked about this last week in our review of Annihilation, uh, when we talked about like, do movies need to fit within the cultural context in which they exist? Mm-hmm. And I think this is an example uh, of, of a film where um, the cultural context that we live in now suggests that portrayals of domestic abuse shouldn't be comedic. And it's kind of, I the, the only part is I didn't find them comedic. I found them interesting in that in what the film was trying to say and you know again the the overall thesis here is that the film is trying to is like coming up with this notion of uh of the 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 line between truth and what we want to be true yeah yeah um and i think that that they were playing there i i again i didn't watch this with an audience i can't imagine people laughing during those scenes, I can imagine people feeling uncomfortable about the way the film was making them feel. I'm trying to think specifically because I did, I, I did admittedly watch this film a bit ago, but yeah. I remember seeing it and, and laughing or chuckling at a situation and then mm-hmm. instantly being like, wait, what? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's amazing how the film like turn the, and again, it comes back to Sebastian Stan's performance and the way that they play that character is that he is sweet and loving and, and kind of caring and, and, and doting and suddenly turns on a dime. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, like you see that he's just got this like, uh, limit for which he cannot, you know, he cannot cope beyond and, and then turns to violence. Right. Um, and so it's really, um, I think, I think it's, it's an example of skillfully done. And it's like, and again, I hate it that 
Steve, I hate it that you wrote us in because I <laughs> because because it feels like we're being sycophantic to to your email, but it is genuinely great stuff in this movie, yeah. and it's like you know, like it's 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 really well done. The one thing I was I was also curious about that a question that I wanted to raise is the the use of music in this film. Mm-hmm. Um, it has that kind of, again, Scorsese influence, like use of, of pop culture that, that accentuates, uh, uh, um, a moment. Um, but, but I think, you know, when we've been talking about music, particularly pop music being used in films, and I think we talked about this in Guardians of the Galaxy, we talked about this in the life aquatic with Steve Zissou. Mm -hmm. Um, and in this film, the thing that I thought was interesting is again, it had, it, you can see the Goodfellas comparison because the music that's being used is from that period. Yeah. But this is, it's not the period of the film uh -huh. and, and it's all music that's been used in other films uh, really effectively. Like the super tramp song, uh, goodbye stranger mm -hmm. is used amazingly in Magnolia this year. Fleetwood Max, the chain is used in guardians of the galaxy. Yep. And it's in this film, but the, the kind of hermetic seal of this film, like makes that all work. Like I, I don't feel like it's like in suicide squad when we were like kind of going, Oh, it's a this series of music videos. It's a series, you know, someone's just picked out a playlist. Whereas I think this is actually that this is actually a case where someone's picked out a playlist of like easily licensable music. Maybe Steve can speak to like, you know, the thinking about the music. In yeah. Right. Listen, Steve, let us know. Um, but, but it all kind of lands really effectively because the, because the music is intrinsically tied to the style of the film and it kind of not only echoes the, the good fellas, uh, mm -hmm. um, vibe. vibe, but it also echoes the rhythm of the film, even I, though it's not of the period. Like yeah. they should be listening to new kids on the block. Sure. You know I, what I mean? um, I will say the music I liked, I liked it. But I never particularly and for this film thought about the music that much. Right. I was it, I was all up on the music. On uh, I, I think it helped get you from point A to point B certain places or even not you. I'm just saying the audience, <laughs> me. Um, but I never I never. Honestly, I was more enthralled with the, the the story being told, and this was just sort of like the frosting. But I it was on a frosting on a really good cake. Like yeah. I, I mean, you, I mean, I I always go back to food analogies. But if you're frosting something, um, nine times out of ten, that is probably you know, or at least cheap things or whatever. Like the flavors in the frosting, not the 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 cake is a delivery system for the frosting. Yeah. Um, and and well, it and, could be a delivery system for cake. But that, well, that's my point. But like a lot of times it's not even look at like a cheap donut or something like okay. that. Like the glaze is what you're get, like what the, what the taste is, but the donut itself might not be great. I don't agree with your analogy, but I know what you're trying to say. Okay. Uh, so I, I, um, I, I just didn't. And again, this isn't a slight to the music, yeah. but I didn't, I didn't gravitate towards it or I, I can't remember any particular scenes. Where I was like, Oh, this is perfect. Like I just, I, I just think even, it, even the use of Fleetwood makes the chain, which was so specific to a film that you saw this year. I think, I, I, I don't know. I think uh, it was more specific for me in that particular film. I get it. They both contextually based on what the song yeah. is about make a hundred percent sense. But I think this movie, weirdly enough, felt more loaded to me and maybe it's what watered it down for me uh from a musical perspective more loaded than guardians of the galaxy guardians of the galaxy had a ton of music on its soundtrack but yeah. it used specific songs for very specific moments uh where this one i think used a couple specific songs for very specific moments but then just sort of had other songs yeah kind of going through as the background and and maybe that's why it didn't that wasn't an aspect of this that pulled me like it did in guardians right um, and maybe I, I'm trying to think of, cause us the, having this conversation is literally the first time the other, I've thought the other, about the music. The other one was uh die straits, Romeo and Juliet.
it yep. uh, at the beginning when they're kind of like falling in love, which is, oh. a, which is a song that's used in Empire Records. Side example. note. I'm, all right, Steve, I got something else I don't like about this movie. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> every every compliment or criticism will be directed at you, Steve. Yeah, Steve, you are. You are You're our one cipher into this world. He, I, I, his rebuttal should be reply. The email subject should be I, Steve. I, Steve should. <laughs> yes. I, Steve is the sequel we need. Um, no, the, the thing about um, when it was the young moment when young Tanya and young Jeff are meeting and it's literally still Sebastian and, yeah. and Margo. And I'm like, that threw me out. And luckily it was in the beginning and it was mm. fine. But I was like, this is silly. It, it, it is, yeah, no, like I know. They should I, have cast younger actors just to be that part. And I can see that totally blowing up in their face, too. Yeah, Maybe they tried it and it sucked. Yeah, uh, it's, it's, it's one of those things like the VFX conversation where it's like, yeah. it's like, you know, 99% but of us. She's supposed be, to be like 14 or 15 or something. Yeah, and I'm like, this is Margot fucking Robbie. Yeah, but you know the thing I always forget about Margot Robbie as well? She's only like 25 years old. No, I know. <laughs> you know she, what I mean? Like she, she, has yeah. a, she has a, a uh, adult woman look to her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> and Sebastian Stan doesn't look like a Gangly, like no. 14, 15. Oh, no, he was meant to be older, though. Yeah, he was meant to be a little older. I think, you know, like... And it would have been creepy to have him and a younger not... Yeah, yeah. Okay, I see the problems. <laughs> it just threw me out in the moment. Yeah, yeah, of course, of course. <laughs> I, I mean, I think, you know, like, they do what they can to make it work with, like, sure, 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 making sure. her makeup kind of pimply, giving yep. her braces, you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> I, I can totally see where it doesn't land. But but the thing is, you know, again, that, that the thing I've been talking about for, for a few weeks is the totality of experience. And the totality of the experience here is so good. Uh, and it's, it's, it's so, um, to, to, to say that it's derivative of Goodfellas ignores the fact that it has a, it has a clear, succinct idea. This film has got something very clear on its mind. And the thing that it's clear on its mind is the divide between fictions, which is a very sort of like amorphous, you know, fluid kind of subject. It's like this is also true. a major point in our political systems Ex- currently yeah. these days. Fake news, yeah. fake news. Um, and, and I think, you know, like it, it all work, all that style, all that delivery, all that panache, all that flamboyance, all that histrionics, it all works, you know, like it all, del- it all makes the experience rich and powerful and palatable. Um, it's, it's kind of, uh, incredible, you know, like when it, when it works, like when it, when it all comes together this well, um, th- that's kind of a, yeah. just a rare and beautiful thing. And, and, you know, um, it's, we're wrapping into my final thoughts yeah. right now, but, um, uh, it's a story that again, I kind of like new adjacent, you know, like yeah. I kind of, well, cause you, we didn't even bring this up in the beginning. You didn't have really any history outside of just sort of hearing about this thing going on at the Olympics. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and we all like New Zealand, we all heard about it, but it wasn't a huge, no, it was a big story, but I, but I was a little kid, you know, yeah. like I was like, you know, you know, not, not there, were, there were kids. I was the, more interested. I knew the OJ Simpson story much better. Gotcha. And, you know, like there were kids on the playground with, with me growing up that like were reenacting or playing this. Right. Right. And that, that's insane to me. And and the image I have in my head is is Tanya, you know, like she says some people think that this is what actually happened that she was was the one that, you know, like beat her up after a game, uh, after a, a skate. And like the image that she has in her it, I that was probably I'd never thought about it, but I'm sure as a little kid that's what I thought Exactly. It I thought I thought Tanya Harding mm-hmm. hit Nancy Kerrigan with a club to the knee. Yeah, exactly. Like walking down a hall or something. I didn't it, know about the boyfriend or anything. Or the, the boyfriend the boyfriend's friend uh mm-hmm. played by oh Paul, my God. Paul Walter Hauser uh I can't show 
gone. We've gone this far without talking about him. So I thought when I was first watching, like this is way too caricature-y. And then when you see them next to each other at, during the end credits, you see all the the, the interviews yeah. or whatever. He plays him perfectly. And I've known one or two gentlemen. I was about to say people, but it's always men. Yeah. Um, like this. Um, that are just these like people that that have watched one too many movies or think they're these sort of tactical or paramilitary people because they own weapons. Yeah. Um, that that are just it's it's such that it's such I know that person exists it's, because it's, I've I've grown up with them. It's a Coen Brothers type character, and you would never believe it to be true. You know, like but. Oh, and then the two idiots he hires. Yeah. And, and, and just how, how, how a thing now I, I let's, uh, this, I know we're, we're getting final thoughts, but do you think that Tanya Harding, uh, based on this film or anything you know about it, et cetera, do you think that she ever knew about the actual plot to physically hurt Nancy Kerrigan? So the thing that's interesting is uh, I think if you, if you just watch this film, you'll walk away with the impression that she didn't know anything. Mm -hmm. If you, if you think about it, you could you could easily come to the conclusion that she knew everything. She asked it, for the schedule. Yeah, yeah. You know, like that she that she was being naive. You know, like the movie is kind of softening her role in this. You know, like a lot of people I remember when she appeared at the Golden Globes, Tanya Harding was sitting at the table. A lot of people were asking the question, it was like, wait a minute, this woman was directly responsible for, you know, the the battering of another competitor in an Olympic sport. You know, but what, was she directly responsible? And I what I what I think that's great about this film is again it's couched in that in that in that framework of truth versus the truth we want to believe and the truth of the world as mm -hmm. we see it. And so you know, what do you think? What do I think? Yeah. I think what I think is irrelevant. I think it is too. I'm just curious what you think. Um curiosity's never irrelevant. I think I'm just going to go with what the film gives me because the film is does such a good job of so it. So do you think that she only thought that the letters then they were going to send threatening letters to her and then that was going to be the extent of it? Because because <laughs> Here's the thing, I don't I don't if I sat and thought about it, I don't I don't truly believe that, but I'm going to just go with what the film gave me because I'm just going to take it as well, an the film gave us a couple different things. Cause like, and, and again, it leans heavily on Tanya as victim. Yeah. Um, but there's moments in it, especially in the sort of discussion of sort of how, how things go down from a criminal perspective. She, they have the, the list of things written in her handwriting, asking, asking what Nancy's schedule yeah. is. Yeah. So you can look at that. And be, be like that. So now one of two things, they never, they never give a great, a full answer. And I really appreciate this one. It could just be so that she knows when she's there so she can get a letter delivered to her. Yeah. Two, it could be because they were planning on cracking her in the knee. And if the film didn't like present this, like, uh, you know, again, that domestic, the domestic abuse scenes where she says this didn't happen like this, but we see it. And then, you know, like where he says this didn't happen like this and she mm -hmm. knew it. If the film didn't do those things, you know, and just and just was like absolutely Tanya was, you know, completely absolved of any wrongdoing in this, then that would be more problematic. But because the film is like yeah, plays in that world, it it kind of makes it make sense. I honestly don't think she ever thought that it would go to this place. I think or 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 if she did think it, it was never something that was actively said to her. If she thought like, oh, maybe it would happen. Oh, no, it'll never happen. Yeah. But that kind of like itch in your mind. But like, but if it did, I, like, I, I was curious by Jif, uh, by Jif in this. Jif didn't seem to know what was going to happen. Like he seemed to be thinking that they were just going to send threatening letters, send threatening letters. I, and, and, and it I, got a little bit like I honestly murky around feel there. like if it, if it's sort of done in the way, if they're mirroring styles of, of, um, of the interviews and et cetera, Sean, the character, Sean is really the person that 
is a is they're all at fault because they were planning on fucking with the Olympics. Yeah, but for as far as the violence is concerned, that's all Sean and his ineptitude. It's amazing. There's that scene where he goes, who do you think sent the threatening letters to Tanya? And I was like, oh my God. It's like, you know, the chair turns around and he's, he's stroking a cat kind of moment. Yeah. I was like, wait, is this idiot actually brilliant? And I was like, and, and, but then, you know, like you see those amazing scenes where he's like, I didn't tell anyone. And then he's telling everybody. Yeah. And it's like, I, again, the transformation that this film does, you know, like no, no film, very few, very few filmmakers. And again, I got to give it to Craig Gillespie here can go from Goodfellas to Fargo in one movie yeah. and do it so brilliantly. Yeah. Um, oh. So, you know, it's, 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 uh, it's a magnificent thing. I think, you know, like well, the thing that I thought was, uh, uh, and this is a meta, you know, again, a metatextual thing and a, and a thing that doesn't exist in the film, but I thought was just interesting to watch is like knowing that uh, a known domestic abuser with a battered wife and a gun can still be lit off. It can still get away from a traffic stop uh, without being shot or arrested. You know, like I was just like, yeah, I just love it. Like, like that's that thing about like, um, you know, do films need to live in the context with which we, which we live in. And it's not, and it's just like, it's kind of amazing to watch that, that scene, yeah. you know, like, you know, a guy goes around firing a gun and like gets away in a traffic stop and just talks his way out of it. I was like, well, I, we uh, don't live in the same world. Yeah. I mean, yeah, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, anyway, I think, uh, as far as my final thought is concerned is I really enjoyed this film. It, even just talking about it and having this discussion with you, Shira, like, I want to go watch it like right now. I want to yeah. go watch it again. And that doesn't often like normally uh, listen, talking about a film for these, even films I really enjoy. It's sort of the catharsis moment and the completion of my, yeah. of my journey with it. Other than like occasionally revisiting it for different reasons. And this is like, no, like I'm not only excited to watch it again from an enjoyment standpoint, but I'm excited again to watch it for the, all of the sort of the breakdown and points that we had sort of made throughout this entire review in, so in the spirit of truth and fiction just so that it doesn't seem like we're just giving this a nice review because the because the assistant editor emailed us sure in. can we just shit on the film for like 10 minutes well, we or already, like we like, already did no let's just do, let's just do some false shitting let's just like god i hated this movie oh. god it was garbage uh, it was just it was like dude, uh, i tanya like what kind of name is that it's tanya my name is you know like that's just you're, gonna, you're gonna grammar not to them yeah, yeah. Uh, i mean i think yeah. that uh that the performance Performances were overdone. Yeah, uh, costuming was terrible. Costuming like, was terrible. It looked like Tanya sewed it on herself. Oh like, my god! And actually, she never. I read a review that or an interview with Tanya Harding saying she never made a coat out of rabbit fur that she bought it. That parrot was total CGI. Parrot garbage. was CGI garbage. Uh, the uh, the people playing the press, I didn't believe. Yeah. I didn't think those cameras were actually filming, nope. you know, like at the time. Anyway, this is probably getting really boring for everybody. <laughs> the movie's great. See the movie. Uh, and it, it, it did. It got snubbed on the editing train for the Oscars. Yeah. And, I, just, um, <laughs> I, 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 uh, I hope that it wins some of the other categories that it's up for. Yeah. Um, Steve. We, we, we did this. We did it for you, Steve. <laughs> we, we no, it. It, it was on our list uh, beyond that. And, uh, and, uh, but it just was, it's helpful that we have, we, we know, we know one person is uh, listening <laughs> that is involved with the production and please pass on our, um, our praise, our praise and respect and, and just seriously love of the film to the team members. If you ever speak to them again, this one obscure, the only obscure yeah, podcast about movies, uh, really dug it. Yeah. Uh, so this has been the only podcast about the film. I Tanya Shakir, when, when you're not renaming yourself and inventing a false friend that perhaps might have been a figure skating champion in their youth, where can folks find you? 
You can find me at BahirDow.com. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. My email address is uh, my email address. I'm not giving that Give shit out. Give the email out. address. <laughs> uh, well, even though it's on my website. <laughs> Where can people find you? You can go to my website, ShahirDowd.com. That's S-H-A-H-I-R-D-A-U-D.com. Matthew Crawl, when you are not navigating the line between truth and fiction with a faulty gear shift lever in your car that is turning both left and right at the same time, where can people find you on the uh, internet? You can find me with full control of my RC vehicle at mm-hmm. MatthewKroll.com. That's M-A-T-T-H-E-W-K-R-L.com for my life and works. You can also find me at Skeletor, the number four, P-R-E-Z on Instagram and Emperor MSK on Twitter. Please um, write us in, onlymoviepodcast at gmail.com. Uh, Steve, you can write us back, but everybody else, what did you think of I, Tanya? I feel like we've we've, we've been talking to Steve too much, and now we need to talk to everybody else. I know. So he's that one kid who keeps putting his hand up in class. No, no. We're, we're literally have a string, and we're putting his hand up. He's not doing this. Wait, this is, is he our, a dead person in the story? No, but we're, we're literally, he can't. Is it's he, not we, we, we weekend at Bernie? We're him? not weekend at, well, I don't know. That's allowed <laughs> to, that to decide. Um, but you can write us in there or uh, Only Movie Pod on Twitter. Also, iTunes reviews, they really help out. Please leave your reviews of us. That's something that I think we need to really buy into. We <laughs> Steve, literally come on. We lift no, a review no, for you, Steve. Steve so oh. what, what are you going to do for us, buddy? <laughs> no, I wasn't meaning that. I was meaning we are two people that literally constantly review other people's works. And I am always shocked um, uh, uh, that, uh, that more people don't review us for good or bad. I'd prefer it to be good. But leave some uh, iTunes reviews on there. That really does help us out. And uh, yeah, until next time, uh, I guess we will be we'll be just we'll ice. see you on ice. What? We'll see you on the ice. Okay. All right. See you. See you later, uh, figure skater. Oh! Well, that was bad. No, it wasn't. That was, that oh, was, that was worse than yours? Yeah, that was worse than mine. Mine was bad. Uh, <laughs> all right. Later. Bye. Bye.